is Voicemail, the Universal Postal Union's podcast covering the wonderful world of mail. I'm your host, Ian Kerr. In this episode, I chat with Marielle Buisson, CEO of Seychelles Post, Charles Brewer, CEO of POS Malaysia, and Tawny Steinke from Zonos, all of whom spoke at the recent UPU World Leaders Forum held alongside Parcel and Post Expo in Amsterdam this year. I'm joined by Tawny Steinkees. Tawny is the Head of Global Strategic Partnerships at Zonos. Tawny, welcome to the UPU Voicemail podcast. We're going to cover a little bit about cross-border e-commerce and the future of cross-border e-commerce, cross-border logistics. Can you share a little bit about what you think are the main innovations that are going to shape cross-border logistics over the coming years? Yeah. Hey, Anne. Thanks for having me on today. Five to 10 years is a long time, so I think a lot of changes could happen, but I'll stick to three that I think will make a difference, starting with one is data. This is so important right now, and I think it's one of the biggest challenges that posts have today, but it's only going to continue to get harder. Government regulations are going to continue to change, different tax schemes, so Having the right data on any package, we want to know what's inside of it with HS codes, descriptions, things like that. I think that's going to continue to get harder. What will change it is going to be the AI tools that are out there. This is something that for a logistic company to stay ahead of the game, they really need to start looking at their technology and ways that they can use AI to help know what the package is from the beginning all the way to the end. So I think that's going to make some big changes. AI is going to change the logistics world as well. The second thing I would say is really just building an e-commerce ecosystem. I think in the past, it's been you have a package, you ship it with an express carrier and it goes. Well, then when COVID hit, it really gave way for a lot of consolidators to come in and change how shipping happens. And I think that's going to be so important. I know for our merchants, they're really looking at diversifying their supply chain. And so picking tech-driven, carrier-agnostic companies that use partners to help enhance their network is going to help a post be more competitive. And it's really going to be the future of logistics. I think of diversifying and, and getting creative with that supply chain. My third thing is... Customer experience is going to continue to drive what we do in the future. I'm a tough customer. I know that. So I don't make it easier for anyone going forward. And we're going to continue to get more demanding. A year ago or a few years ago, actually, I was okay with shipping, taking a few days and paying for it. Now I expect I'm not going to pay for it and it comes tomorrow. What will I expect in five years? And so I think customer experience and driving towards This is what brands care about, and this is what logistics needs to start focusing on as well. Let's talk about partnerships then. How does Zonos work with postal operators in particular and other partners to achieve an efficient and balanced and sustainable e-commerce ecosystem? Yeah, Zonos is the connection between, and we do this through uh, technology, but connecting the post with these e-commerce merchants. So we've been working with e-commerce merchants for over 15 years. And I mentioned customer experience. That has been our complete focus from the time a shopper gets onto a website all the way till the package is delivered. We want to make sure that they have that really easy buying experience. But we've been able to enhance that for the post in 
getting the data clean and accurate from the beginning to the end helps it clear customs faster, helps them also with the low tax schemes that continue to be introduced by the different countries. But then also helping with that delivery experience. Zonos is big on duties and taxes being prepaid. We have different solutions where we collect that ahead of time from the customers are uh, checking out. But we also for the post have solutions that we can check as soon as it clears customs and we know the duty and tax amount, we can uh, get that from the consignee as soon as possible. So being able to have the payment happen from beginning to end and sooner in the process will help with delivery times. And that's really what we're helping the post to do. I talked about them having to get creative and use partners to be successful in logistics. And that does start with the DDP option. They need to start collecting it and knowing what that amount is. This is what customers have been wanting and it's getting more and more popular. I think we'll continue to see that grow. So a key point that I've taken out of that as well is you're trying to get away from the current system that some posts have where the postie at the doorstep has to collect money from the recipient. It's not great customer experience, is it? No, not at all. I can't imagine having to pay that at my doorstep, so we don't want to put customers through that. Well, some great insights there, Tawny, into what's happening in cross-border logistics and what's on the horizon, shall we say, for cross-border e-commerce, especially when it comes to the postal world. Tawny Steinke, Head of Global Strategic Partnerships at Zonos, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. I'm joined by Charles Brewer, CEO of POS Malaysia, the Malaysian postal operator. Charles, welcome to Voicemail. Let's talk about sustainability in the postal sector. What are some of the main innovations that, from your perspective, can help the postal sector achieve net zero or as close to that as we can get? Yeah, it's tough, but there are a lot of things coming in, a lot of things. I'm good to see you, by the way, Ian. And you're looking fantastic, if I may say so. But I think a lot of things are coming. A lot of things are changing. So I, I talk a little bit from our perspective, and I think it's hugely different depending on where you are in the world. So I think many other markets are miles ahead of where Southeast Asia is in terms of sustainability. So we're coming from a fairly embryonic environment, but to the point and to the question. So, you know, certainly from post Malaysia's perspective, when we launched our sustainability roadmap, we covered it under sort of six work streams and two or three of them, I think, play directly to your question. So first and foremost, delivery methods, you know, so to share a story, when we first started only a year or so ago, when we first started talking about this subject and we looked out into the Malaysian market and said, right, who has electric vehicles in Malaysia, which vendors exist? There was one, one vendor that could do two wheel and no vendors that could do four wheel electric vehicles. And just in that 12 months, the scenario here has changed beyond recognition. There are now multiple vendors providing two-wheel, multiple vendors providing four-wheel, and to your point, many other sort of alternative delivery methods coming down the track, whether that be cargo bikes. I know they've been around a while, so you can hardly argue that they're innovative in some respects. But from a Malaysia perspective, they're hugely innovative. Three-wheelers, you know, Singpost, for example, have been using three-wheelers for about the last 12 or 18 months. But in Malaysia, they don't exist and they haven't even been approved by the road agency just yet. So I think number one is in terms of delivery methods, huge change coming in Malaysia for all of us. And, and I'm really proud and super proud that Post Malaysia has taken the lead both on what you would call traditional two and four wheel EVs, but also looking at sort of three wheel and four wheel cargo bikes clever on in terms of their wonderful autonomous electric vehicle. That'll be here hopefully fairly soon too. So 
I think there are a number of different methods that are going to come down the track for places like Southeast Asia and Malaysia over the next 12, 18 months. And that's good things for everybody concerned. Our second work stream is around optimizing the delivery network. So again, not necessarily so innovative for some countries, telematics and things like that have been a route orchestration have been around for a while, but it was not so long ago, five, six, seven years ago, there were, there were maybe one or two vendors. Now there are 50 to 100 vendors. And that technology being used in Malaysia and in Southeast Asia to create highly efficient and safe, which is the other big piece of telematics, which most people miss. It's not just about having a, an environmentally better footprint. It's about having a safer route in the first place. So things like telematics are changing significantly, even in just in terms of the functionality and what they do. It's interesting that you mentioned a number of vendors that are able to offer the electric vehicles. Do you think that POS Malaysia's interest helped stimulate the market in general and therefore other carriers are going to benefit as a result? Yeah, definitely. 100%. And I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm very pleased about that. We talk about it quite often and we have a fantastic relationship with the government and the ministry that looks after us and the regulator. And we've talked about it often that countries like Malaysia, and I mean, there are many others besides, I hasten to add, many first world markets, but they're, they're crying out for lighthouse examples. Companies that the government and others can turn to and say, they did it, you can too. So yeah, like I said, we're super proud. I'm super proud of the work that our sustainability team have done. But I think for the wider good, I think many other companies will follow, which is really cool. And it's interesting when, again, not to tell our story too much, but a year and a half ago when we started on this, and I asked a very large consulting house who was presenting to us and many others on sustainability, I asked them, who is the lighthouse? Who is the go-to company in Malaysia for us to look at around things like solar panels or building energy management systems or waste, or all the other activities that we haven't talked about? But where do I go and have that conversation to learn from them? And they said, they don't exist, not in Malaysia. And so, like I said, I think I think it's a really good thing for us, but it's a really good thing for the government and others to be able to say, okay, look, post-Malaysia with 6,000 two-wheel vehicles and another 3,000 four-wheel vehicles, another 200 trucks are heading down this route, 600 buildings with solar panels on, et cetera, et cetera. I think it's great for them to use as a poster child for other companies to follow. And, and again, I'm, I'm really keen and proud about that. Now, you just said this idea of they did it, we can too. And there's always a but associated with that, isn't there? And the but is, how do we pay for it? And given that there are straightened financial circumstances for some postal operators, how can they take some steps down this road towards whether it's just reducing emissions or even a more ambitious target um, and not have to have their hand out to government or break the piggy bank? Yeah, so in post-Malaysia, and again, not unlike others, has its fiscal challenges. And when I first walked into the boardroom and in front of my CFO even and talked about our sustainability plans, they looked at me with a head slightly crooked over to the right saying, are you sure? Because by definition, it has connotations of this and it costs us a lot of money. Now, normally I would say that's probably correct, but I think it's really important. And I was speaking to Portugal Post about this when, when I was at the Post and Parcel Forum to the CEO and to others who were asking about our journey. I think it's there are ways that you can skin the cat and what we're really lucky. So whilst there are not so many vendors or there weren't so many vendors, now there are more. If you ask the question, hey, how can I turn this CapEx problem into an OpEx opportunity? From our experience, the answer is yes. And at the time I was thinking, this is really fantastic. You know, we've taken a, what would be a really big cash flow fiscal challenge and turned it into a real opportunity and at a lower cost than ICE vehicles. 
But when I first asked the question, I wasn't anticipating that we would get that sort of response. But if you think about it, many of these companies that we're talking to in telematics or vehicles or solar panels or waste management systems or BEM systems or whatever else are startups themselves or two or third year startups. And they're looking also for poster childs to be able to tell their story to others. So having Post Malaysia on your books as they took 6,000 bikes or 3,000 vans or 600 buildings with solar panels helps their story and narrative too. So ask the right question, find the right vendors, find the right partners, people that have the same sort of purpose as yourselves, trying to do the same thing as yourself and ask them the difficult question about making an OPEX solution at the right price. And you'll probably be surprised at the response you get. Now, we've talked about the post, we've talked about suppliers, we've talked about even government and regulators. What about customers and even end consumers? What's their response been to Post Malaysia's push in this regard, especially if it sounds like you're a bit of a groundbreaker in the Malaysian market? What's their response been? Good. I mean, the short version is really, really positive. And, I, and I'll give you two stories to, to illustrate it. One internal, one external. I was in Malacca, uh, which is a heritage city, two weeks ago, and uh, we just started delivering our first four-wheel EV. So we have two-wheel EVs in the market already, and we just started rolling out our four-wheel EVs. And I was down in Malacca, which is a great city, one of my favorites in Malaysia. But I was talking to the head of operations there. And as I was standing there, three couriers and two postmen ran over and said, when do I get mine? And it's really fascinating. And I was telling this to somebody else the other day. When we first started doing this, just like my CFO and just like my board, even our employees were saying, hold on, Charles, is this really a good thing to do? And I got lots and lots of questions at town halls around the cost of the units. Will they go up hills? Will they go down hills? Will they go through rain, floods, puddles, and whatever else? But now, because we're three, four months in and people are talking about they absolutely love it. So internally, the heart and mind is one. For the most, I'm sure there's a few laggards out there, but generally speaking, I think that's one. To your question, though, externally, and this is you know, equally uh, as pleasing, if not more pleasing in some respects, customers and and Malaysians will stop my postman and couriers who are delivering in these electric vehicles on the road to take selfies with selfies, a huge thing in Malaysia. So they take selfies with the vehicles and post them on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and other places. So I see lots and lots of images. So I think generally speaking, I haven't had any negative, generally speaking, the response has been hugely positive. Now the question is, the zillion dollar question is, can you commercialize that enthusiasm and will it be commercialized going forward? I think that's still to be answered. Don't know. Um, we'll work through that over the next few months and years, but that's kind of not what we, why we're doing it in the first place, but lots of chatter about whether you can charge more for a clean and green delivery as opposed to a traditional, but we'll cross that bridge in time to come, I'm sure. Well, it is a very important issue for our sector and it's great to hear that Post Malaysia is taking steps to be a good corporate citizen and help the environment. Charles Brewer, CEO at Post Malaysia, thank you very much for joining us on the UPU Voicemail Podcast today. Thanks, Ian. Take care. I'm here with Mariella Buisson, the CEO of Seychelles Post. Welcome to the floor of Parcel and Post Expo. Uh, can you just share a little bit with us about how technology and innovation can help postal operators diversify their portfolio of services? Well, thank you for having me. Seychelles as a very small post is currently working to diversify its services and obviously adopting a lot of technology in order to do this. And I think postal operators, no matter what size they are, need to have technology in order to move forward. And we use the technology at the moment to connect our in-house systems 
and also connect to outside partners through API connectivity. A lot of the technology we're installing also involves very basic things like a new website, interactive website where customers can log in, see all their parcels, all their items, track and trace, and also where they can pay their bills online and actually in future connect to government services. Now tell us a bit about public-private partnerships. How is Seychelles Post leveraging private-public partnerships to become more of a one-stop shop for customers? Well, Seychelles Post is a taken the opportunities presented by the UPU to work with the consultative committee. So we are in partnership with quite a few of the members in Vault, you know, and we're using them to launch digital stamps, to increase our e-commerce volume, and also to do direct-to-consumer marketing. Marielle Bouisson, CEO of Seychelles Post, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you very much. Thank you. You've been listening to Voicemail, the official podcast of the Universal Postal Union. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform and you'll get each episode downloaded to the device of your choosing as it's released. My thanks to the team at the UPU for their help putting together this episode. I'm your host, Ian Kerr, and I look forward to your company next time on Voicemail, the podcast of the UPU.